Lesson 9 for November 23 through to 29, Trials, Tribulations and Lists, Sabbath afternoon, November 23. Before we start, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, it's been fascinating reading the history of what happened with the relationship between you and your people back in the times of Nehemiah and the other prophets at that time, and Ezra. And we pray that as we continue this study, that we may not only regard the history as important, but also regard our understanding of your work with us at our time as well. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our memory text this week is Nehemiah chapter 10, verse 29. These joined with their brethren, their nobles, and entered into a curse and an oath to walk in God's law, which was given by Moses, the servant of God, and to observe and do all the commandments of the Lord our God and his ordinances and his statutes. Let's read that again. Nehemiah 10, Verse 29. These joined with their brethren, their nobles, and entered into a curse and an oath to walk in God's law, which was given by Moses, the servant of God, and to observe and do all the commandments of the Lord our God and his ordinances and his statutes. We usually skip genealogies and long lists of items in the Bible, but the Lord has them included there for a reason. The biblical Lord is the God of details. He notices the particulars and this assures us that we are never forgotten by him. These few examples of genealogies proclaim that God knows all about our families and the lists of things tell us that God cares even for what others might deem insignificant. Jesus stated that God takes care of the sparrows and even counts our hairs. Luke 12, verses 6 and 7. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. The God who cares about these details cares about us as well. And he knows even the details of all the things that trouble us. Thus, we can have full confidence, cultivate trust, and rest in assurance that the Lord cares about every area of our lives. While that's comforting as it should be, it also tells us that we need to care about every area as well. Sunday, November 24. The God of History. Question. Read Ezra chapter 1 verses 9 through 11 and Daniel 1 verses 1 and 2. How do the texts in Daniel help us understand what Ezra was referring to? Ezra 1 verses 9 to 11. This is the number of them. 30 gold platters, 1,000 silver platters, 29 knives, 30 gold basins, 410 silver basins of a similar kind, and 1,000 other articles. All the articles of gold and silver were 5,400. All these Sheshbazar took with the captives who were brought from Babylon to Jerusalem. And Daniel 1, beginning at verse 1, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, with some of the articles of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God, and he brought the articles into the treasure house of his God." Notice how in Ezra details are given, while in Daniel the big picture was presented. Together, though, these texts show that the Lord is in control. As we read in Prophets and Kings, page 536, The history of nations speaks to us today. 
To every nation and to every individual, God has assigned a place in his great plan. Today, men and nations are being tested by the plummet in the hand of him who makes no mistakes. All are by their own choice deciding their destiny, and God is overruling all for the accomplishment of his purposes. End of quote. Question. Read Daniel chapter 5. What do these texts teach us about the judgment upon Belshazzar? Daniel chapter 5, beginning at verse 1. Belshazzar the king made a great feast for the thousand of his lords, and drank wine in the presence of the thousand. While he tasted the wine, Belshazzar gave the command to bring the gold and silver vessels which his father Nebuchadnezzar had taken from the temple which had been in Jerusalem, that the kings and his lords, his wives and his concubines, might drink from them. Then they brought the gold vessels that had been taken from the temple of the house of God which had been in Jerusalem, and the king and his lords, his wives and his concubines, drank from them. They drank wine, and praised the gods of gold and silver, bronze and iron, wood and stone. In the same hour, the fingers of a man's hand appeared, and wrote opposite the lampstand on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw the part of the hand that wrote. Then the king's countenance changed, and his thoughts troubled him, so that the joints of his hips were loosened, and his knees knocked against each other. The king cried aloud to bring in the astrologers, the Chaldeans, and the soothsayers. The king spoke, saying to the wise men of Babylon, Whoever reads this writing and tells me its interpretation shall be clothed with purple and have a chain of gold around his neck, and he shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. Now the king's wise men came, but they could not read the writing or make known to the king its interpretation. Then King Belshazzar was greatly troubled, his countenance was changed, and his lords were astonished. The queen, because of the words of the king and his lords, came to the banquet hall. The queen spoke, saying, O king, live forever. Do not let your thoughts trouble you, nor let your countenance change. There is a man in your kingdom, in whom is the spirit of the holy God. And in the days of your father, light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods, were found in him. And King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father the king, made him chief of the magicians, astrologers, Chaldeans, and soothsayers. Inasmuch as an excellent spirit, knowledge, understanding, interpreting dreams, solving riddles, and explaining enigmas were found in this Daniel, whom the king named Belteshazzar, now let Daniel be called, and he will give the interpretation. Then Daniel was brought in before the king. The king spoke and said to Daniel, are you that Daniel, who is one of the captives from Judah, whom my father the king brought from Judah? I have heard of you, that the Spirit of God is in you, and that light and understanding and excellent wisdom are found in you. Now the wise men, the astrologers, have been brought in before me, that they should read this writing and make known to me its interpretation. But they could not give the interpretation of the thing." And I have heard of you that you can give interpretations and explain enigmas. Now, if you can read the writing and make known to me its interpretation, you shall be clothed with purple and have a chain of gold around your neck and shall be the third ruler of the kingdom. Then Daniel answered and said before the king, Let your gifts be for yourself and give your rewards to another. Yet... I will read the writing to the king, and make known to him the interpretation. O king, the Most High God gave Nebuchadnezzar your father a kingdom and majesty, glory and honour, and because of the majesty that he gave him, all peoples, nations and languages trembled and feared before him. Whomever he wished he executed, whomever he wished he kept alive, whomever he wished he set up, and whomever he wished, he put down. But when his heart was lifted up and his spirit was hardened in pride, he was deposed from his kingly throne, and they took his glory from him. 
Then he was driven from the sons of men. His heart was made like the beasts, and his dwelling was with the wild donkeys. They fed him with grass like oxen, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven, till he knew that the Most High God rules in the kingdom of men, and appoints over it whomever he chooses. But you, his son, Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart, although you knew all this, and you have lifted yourself up against the Lord of heaven. They have brought the vessels of his house before you, and you and your lords, your wives and your concubines, have drunk wine from them. And you have praised the gods of silver and gold, bronze and iron, wood and stone, which do not see or hear or know. And the God who holds your breath in his hand and owns all your ways, you have not glorified. Then the fingers of the hand were sent from him, and this writing was written. And this is the inscription that was written, Mini, mini, tekel, you fasten. This is the interpretation of each word. Mini, God has numbered your kingdom and finished it. Tekel, you have been weighed in the balances and found wanting. Perez, your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and Persians. Then Belshazzar gave the command, and they clothed Daniel with purple and put a chain of gold around his neck, and made a proclamation concerning him that he should be the third ruler in the kingdom. That very night, Belshazzar, king of the Chaldeans, was slain, and Darius the Mede received the kingdom, being about sixty-two years old. Babylon fell in October 539 BC, when Cyrus, king of the Medo-Persian army, conquered it. Belshazzar, falsely relying on his successes, luxury and fame, was so arrogant that he had organised a wild banquet on the night that would end up with his being killed. The divine hand wrote on the palace wall that his days were counted and coming to an end. Even though he knew the fate and conversion story of the mighty king Nebuchadnezzar, he did not learn his lesson. It is always tragic when we do not listen to God's warnings and do not follow his instruction. The prophet Daniel was always there, but he had been ignored. When we lose the sense of God's holiness and his presence in life, we tread a path accompanied with complications, problems and tragedies, which ultimately ends in death. And so to finish the day, after recounting to the king the story of Nebuchadnezzar, Daniel said, But you, his son Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart, although you knew all this. How can we make sure that we, in our own context, don't make the same kind of mistake that Belshazzar did? How should the reality of the cross always keep us humble before God? Monday, November 25, In Their Cities Question, scan over the lists in Ezra 2 and Nehemiah 7. What do you notice about them? Well, I've scanned over it, and I'll give you a summary, because we've read um, much of this before. Ezra chapter 2. Now, these are the people of the province who came back from the captivity of those who had been carried away, whom Nebuchadnezzar the king of Babylon had carried away to Babylon, and who returned to Jerusalem and Judah, every one to his own city. Those who came with Zerubbabel, and there's a list of those. The people of Israel, and then there's a list of just so many thousands in various groups there. Then there's the priests in verse 36. And uh, several groups of those are listed. Then in verse 40, the Levites. In verse 41, the singers. 
In verse 42, the sons of the gatekeepers. In verse 43, the Nethinim. In verse 55, the sons of Solomon's servants. And in verse 59, gives us a bit of a summary. And these were the ones who came up from Telmara, Telharsha, Cherub, Adon, and Emma. But they could not identify their father's house or their genealogy, whether they were of Israel. And then it lists those people who couldn't determine uh, which part of the family they belonged to. And they were excluded from um, certain positions. In verse 64, the whole assembly together was 42,360, besides their male and female servants, of whom there were 7,337, and they had 200 men and women singers. Their horses were 736, their mules 245, their camels 435, and their donkeys 6,720. Some of the heads of the fathers' houses, when they came to the house of the Lord, which is in Jerusalem, offered freely for the house of God to erect it in its place. According to their ability, they gave to the treasury for the work 61,000 gold drachmas, 5,000 miners of silver, and 100 priestly garments. So the priests and the Levites, some of the people, the singers, the gatekeepers, and the Nethinim dwelt in their cities, and all sit all Israel in their cities. And Nehemiah chapter 4 is almost word for word. Uh, It begins with verse 1. Then it was when the wall was built and I had hung the doors, when the gatekeepers, the singers and the Levites had been appointed, that I gave the charge of Jerusalem to my brother Hanani, and Hanani, the leader of the citadel, for he was a faithful man and feared God more than many. And I said to them, Do not let the gates of Jerusalem be opened until the sun is hot. And while they stand guard, let them shut and bar the doors and appoint guards from among the inhabitants of Jerusalem, one at his watch station and another in front of his own house. Now the city was large and spacious, but the people in it were few and the houses were not rebuilt. Then my God put it into my heart to gather the nobles, the rulers, and the people, that they might be registered by genealogy. And I found a register of the genealogy of those who had come up in the first return, and found written in it, These are the people of the province who came back from captivity. And this is where it becomes almost word for word for Ezra chapter 2. Of these who had been carried away when Nebuchadnezzar the king of Babylon had carried away, and who returned to Jerusalem and Judah, everyone to his city, those who came with Zerubbabel, the number of the men of the people of Israel. And there's a whole list for each of those. goes on for text after text after text, listing individuals and their sons. Then verse 39, the priests. Verse 43, the Levites. Verse 44, the singers. Verse 45, the gatekeepers. Verse 46, the Nethinim. Verse 57, the sons of Solomon's servants. And in verse 61, and these were the ones who came up from Telmara, Telmala, uh, Telhasha, Cherub, Adon, and Emma, but they could not identify their father's house. And there's a whole list of those as well. And once again, they were excluded from certain functions in the community. Verse 66. Altogether, the whole assembly was 42,360, besides their male and female servants, of whom there were 7,337, and they had 255 men and women singers. Their horses were 736, their mules 245. 45, their camels 435, and donkeys 6,720. And some of the heads of the fathers' houses gave to the work. The governor gave to the treasury 1,000 gold drachmas, five basins, and 530 priestly garments. Some of the heads of the fathers' houses gave to the treasury of the work 20,000 gold drachmas and 2,200 silver miners, 
and that which the rest of the people gave was 20,000 gold drachmas, 2,000 silver miners, and 67 priestly garments. So the priests, the Levites, the gatekeepers, the singers, some of the people, the Nethanim, and all Israel dwelt in their cities. When the seventh month came, the children of Israel were in their cities. The repetition of Ezra chapter 2, the list of those who returned from the Babylonian captivity with Zerubbabel and Joshua in Nehemiah 7, is deliberate. Again, these lists might seem boring to us, but they reveal an important point, which is that God cares about details that we might not care about. The walls of Jerusalem were now finished, and the biblical text intentionally wants to demonstrate that the Ezra-Nehemiah generation of returnees were all contributing toward this great accomplishment, even though God alone gave them this success. The present generation, built on the accomplishments of the previous one, even though the task was complicated, filled with barriers and not completed as soon as they would have liked. The leadership of Ezra and Nehemiah was valued, but the people also did their work. Each group engaged in different tasks performed at different times, but the result is impressive. The beginning in Ezra 2 is linked with the end in Nehemiah chapter 7, and not only was the second temple built, but also Jerusalem was remodelled and well established. Question. Read Nehemiah chapter 7 verse 73. What does it teach us about how successful they were in their desire to do God's will? So the priests, the Levites, the gatekeepers, the singers, some of the people, the Nethanim and all Israel dwelt in their cities. When the seventh month came, the children of Israel were in their cities. The children of Israel were in their cities, it says. In many ways, the whole return and rebuilding was amazing. A people who many years before had their city devastated, their temple destroyed and their land ravaged, had now returned to that same land and that same city and were rebuilding everything, even the temple. It must have seemed miraculous to them and to those around them as well. It was all, however, according to the will and the promises of God. And so to finish the day, what in your life right now might seem hopeless, but nevertheless you are still trusting in the Lord to get through? Tuesday, November 26, Where Are the Priests? No question, as we saw yesterday, it was an amazing fulfilment of prophecy that brought the Jews back from Babylon. But, as with anything that involves humans, problems existed. And one of the big problems was that, despite all the wonderful promises of restoration after the exile, many of the Jews did not want to return to the land of their ancestors. That is, they preferred to stay in Babylon. Why would that be? Question, read Ezra, chapter 8, verses 1 through 15. Focus specifically on verse 15. What was the big concern here, and why would it be a concern for someone who wanted to re-establish the nation of Israel in its former homeland? So Ezra chapter 8, beginning at verse 1. These are the heads of their fathers' houses, and this is the genealogy of those who went up with me from Babylon in the reign of King Artaxerxes, of the sons of Phinehas, Gershom, and the sons of Ithamar, Daniel, of the sons of David, Hattush, of the sons of Shekaniah, of the sons of Parosh, Zechariah, and registered with him were 150 males, of the sons of Pahathapa-Moab, Eliahonai, the son of Zerahiah, and with him 200 males, of the sons of Shekaniah, Ben-Jehaziel, and with him 300 males, of the sons of Aden, 
Ebed, the son of Jonathan, and with him fifty males. Of the sons of Elam, Jeshiah, the son of Athaliah, and with him seventy males. Of the sons of Shephatiah, Zebediah, the son of Michael, and with him eighty males. Of the sons of Joab, Obadiah, the son of Jehiel, and with him two hundred and eighteen males. Of the sons of Shelomith, Ben-Josephiah, and with him one hundred and sixty males. Of the sons of Bebai, Zechariah, and the son of Bebai, and with him twenty-eight males. Of the sons of Asgad, Johanan, the son of Hakatan, and with him one hundred and ten males. Of the last sons of Adonikam, whose names are these, Eliphelet, Jael, and Shemamiah, and with them sixty males. Also of the sons of Bigvi, Uthai, and Zabad, and with them seventy males. Now I gathered them by the river that flows to Ahava, and we camped there three days. And I looked among the people and the priests, and found none of the sons of Levi there. Let's read verse 15 again. Now I gathered them by the river that flows to Ahava, and we camped there three days. And I looked among the people and the priests, and found none of the sons of Levi there. The fact is, not all the Jews in Babylon, including some Levites, wanted to return. Several factors could have been involved. Many of them had been born and brought up in the new land, and that was all they knew. Many might not have wanted to make the long and unquestionably dangerous trip back to a land that they had never known to begin with. Eventually, though, we know that they brought along enough Levites to minister in the temple, and we'll see that in Thursday's lesson, despite the challenges. And from the Seventh-day Adventist Bible Commentary, Volume 3, page 376, we read, By now the Jews who remained in the land of exile had been there for almost a century and a half. Excavations of Nippur have brought to light numerous documents that show that many wealthy Jews lived in that region of Mesopotamia during the reign of Artaxerxes I. Hence, it may have been a difficult task for Ezra and his fellow leaders to convince as many to return as did accompany him. These returning colonists could expect only a hard pioneering life in the old homeland, with far fewer comforts than in Babylonia. In view of these considerations, it is surprising to find that Ezra succeeded in persuading almost 2,000 families to cast in their lot with their brethren in the old homeland. And so to finish today... We must, through many tribulations, enter the kingdom of God. Acts 14, verse 22. What does this tell us about the reality of trials and hardships for those who want to serve the Lord faithfully? Wednesday, November 27. Humbled before God. Question. Read Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 1 to 6. What promise was given here to the Hebrew people? What must this promise, along with others like it, mean to men such as Ezra and Nehemiah? Deuteronomy 30, beginning at verse 1. Now it shall come to pass, when all these things come upon you, the blessing and the curse which I have set before you, and you call them to mind among all the nations where the Lord your God drives you, and you return to the Lord your God and obey his voice, according to all that I command you today, you and your children, with all your heart and with all your soul, that the Lord your God will bring you back from captivity and have compassion on you and gather you again from all the nations where the Lord your God has scattered you. If any of you are driven out to the farthest parts under heaven, from there the Lord your God will gather you, and from there he will bring you. Then, 
the Lord your God will bring you to the land which your fathers possessed, and you shall possess it. He will prosper you and multiply you more than your fathers. And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, that you may live. Ezra and Nehemiah knew the prophecies. They knew that God was going to bring the people back from captivity. We saw in Nehemiah 9 that they understood their history and the reasons for their troubles. At the same time, too, they knew God's graciousness and leading despite their sins. Thus, they trusted in the Lord that he would make the return from captivity successful. Those promises, however, didn't mean that they would not face many challenges along the way. In much of this quarter, so far, we have looked at the trials and tribulations that they faced, even amid the promises of God. Question, read Ezra, chapter 8, verses 16 to 23. What was the challenge here, and how did they respond to it? Ezra 8, beginning at verse 16, Then I sent for Eliezer, Ariel, Shemamiah, Elnathan, Jerob, Elnathan, Nathan, Zechariah, and Meshullam, leaders, also for Joab and Elnathan, men of understanding. And I gave them a command for Ido, the chief man at the place Kasipha, and I told them what they should do to Ido and his brethren, the Nethinim, and the place Kasiphia, that they should bring us servants for the house of our God. Then, by the good hand of our God upon us, they brought us a man of understanding of the sons of Mali, the son of Levi, the son of Israel, namely Sherebiah, with his sons and brothers, eighteen men, and Hashabiah, and with him Jeshiah, of the sons of Merari, his brothers and their sons, twenty men." Also of the Nethinim, whom David and the leaders had appointed for the service of the Levites, 220 Nethinim. All of them were designated by name. Then I proclaimed a fast there at the river of Ahava, that we might humble ourselves before our God, to seek from him the right way for us and our little ones and all our possessions. For I was ashamed to request of the king an escort of soldiers and horsemen to help us against the enemy on the road, because we had spoken to the king, saying, The hand of our God is upon all those for good who seek him, but his power and his wrath are against all those who forsake him. So we fasted and entreated our God for this, and he answered our prayer. Despite the promises... Ezra knew just how dangerous the journey was. Thus, the fasting and the humbling before God were ways of acknowledging just how dependent they were upon the Lord for their success. At this time, with so many dangers ahead of them, the idea of asking the king for help and protection had at least occurred to Ezra. But, in the end, he chose not to do that in contrast to Nehemiah, who did have an escort to protect him, as we read in Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 9. Then I went to the governors in the region beyond the river and gave them the king's letters. Now the king had sent captains of the army and horsemen with me. Ezra obviously felt that if he had asked, it would have brought dishonor to the Lord, for he had already said to the king, the hand of our God is upon all those for good who seek him, but his power and his wrath are against all those who forsake him, Ezra 8 verse 22. In this case, it worked out well for them. For he later wrote in Ezra 8.31 that the Lord had protected them and they made it to their destination safely. Ezra 8.31 Then we departed from the river of Ahava on the twelfth day of the first month to go to Jerusalem, and the hand of our God was upon us, and he delivered us from the hand of the enemy and from ambush along the road. And so to finish the day. Of course, 
We are to trust in God for everything. At the same time, too, what are times we do call upon even those not of our faith for help? In many cases, why is that not wrong, but perhaps even appropriate? Thursday, November 28, in the Holy City. Question, read Nehemiah chapter 11, verses 1 and 2. What is going on in this passage? Why would they have to cast lots to see who would have to live in Jerusalem as opposed to living in the other cities? Nehemiah chapter 11, beginning at verse 1. Now the leaders of the people dwelt at Jerusalem. The rest of the people cast lots to bring one out of ten to dwell in Jerusalem, the holy city, and nine-tenths were to dwell in other cities. And the people blessed all the men who willingly offered themselves to dwell at Jerusalem. What does Nehemiah 11 teach us? It was necessary to get new residents for Jerusalem from the newcomers who had come back to the land after their exile. Apparently, it was easier to live in the countryside than in the city. People had their own land inherited from their forefathers. To abandon it and go to live in Jerusalem was a sacrifice, and many would rightly feel that they would be uprooted if they did so. Life would have new challenges, and an urban lifestyle is different from living in a rural area. Moving to a new, unknown setting is always difficult. How challenging is it to move to a new city or country where the gospel needs to be spread? Mission to the cities requires willingness to undertake new adventures and hardships. As we read in Volume 7, page 40 of Testimonies for the Church, Our workers are not reaching out as they should. Our leading men are not awake to the work that must be accomplished. When I think of the cities in which so little has been done, in which there are so many thousands to be warned of the soon coming of the Saviour, I feel an intensity of desire to see men and women going forth to the souls in the power of the Spirit, filled with Christ's love for perishing souls. End of quote. Question. Why is the long list of priests and Levites mentioned in Nehemiah 12, to 26 What is the connection between them and the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem described in the second part of the same chapter? Verses 27 to 47. Well, first of all, let's look at Nehemiah chapter 12, verses 1 through 26. Now, these are the priests and the Levites who came up with Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel and Jeshua, Sariah, Jeremiah, Ezra, Amariah, Malak, Hattush, Shechaniah, Rehum, Miramoth, Ido, Getathoi, Abijah, Mijam, Madiah, Bilga, Shemaiah, Joyarib, Jedahiah, Salu, Amok, Hilkiah, and Jediah. These were the heads of the priests and their brethren in the days of Jeshua. Moreover, the Levites were Jeshua, Binio, Hadmiel, Sherebiah, Judah, and Mathaniah, who led the thanksgiving psalms, he and his brethren. Also, Bakbukiah and Unai, their brethren, stood across from them in their duties. Jeshua begat Joachim, and Joachim begat Eliashib, and Eliashib begat Joida. Joida begat Jonathan, and Jonathan begat Jadua. Now, in the days of Joachim, the priests, the heads of the fathers' houses, were of Sariah, Moriah, and Jeremiah, Hananiah, of Ezra, Meshalem, of Amariah, Johanan, of Meliku, Jonathan, of Shebaniah, Joseph, of Haram, Adna, of Merathah, Helkiah, of Ido, Zechariah, of Ginnithon, Meshalem, of Abijah, Zechariah, the son of Minjamin, of Moadiah, Piltai, of Bilga, Shamua, 
of Shemaiah Jehoiathan, of Joyarib Matanai, of Jediah Azai, of Salai Kalai, of Amok Eber, of Hilkah Hashabiah, and of Jediah Nathaniel. During the reign of Darius the Persian, a record was also kept of the Levites and priests who had their heads in their fathers' houses, who had been heads of their fathers' houses in the days of Eliashib, Jehoiada, Joathan, and Jaduah, the sons of Levi, the sons of the fathers' houses, until the days of Johanan, the son of Eliashib, were written in the book of the Chronicles. And the heads of the Levites were Hashabiah, Sherebiah, and Jeshua, the son of Cadmiel, with their brothers across from them, to praise and give thanks, group alternating with group, according to the command of David, the man of God, Mathaniah, Bakbukiah, Obadiah, Meshalem, Talmon, and Akob were gatekeepers, keeping the watch at the storerooms of the gates. These lived in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Jeshua, the son of Jozadak, and in the days of Nehemiah, the governor, and of Ezra, the priest, the scribe. And then if we compare that, uh, to the next 20 verses, beginning at verse 26, verse 27 of Nehemiah 12. Now, at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, they sought out the Levites in all their places to bring them to Jerusalem to celebrate the dedication with gladness, both with thanksgiving and singing, with cymbals and stringed instruments and harps. And the sons of the singers gathered together from the countryside around Jerusalem, from the villages of the Netophathalites, from the house of Gilgal, and from the fields of Geba and Asmaveth. For the singers had built themselves villages all around Jerusalem. Then the priests and Levites purified themselves, and purified the people, the gates, and the wall. So I brought the leaders of Judah up on the wall and appointed two large thanksgiving choirs. One went to the right hand on the wall toward Refuse Gate. After that went Hoshiah and half of the leaders of Judah and Azariah, Ezra, Meshalem, Judah, Benjamin, Shemaiah, Jeremiah and some of the priests' sons with trumpets. Zechariah, the son of Jonathan and the son of Shemaiah, the son of Mathaniah, the son of Micaiah, the son of Zachar, the son of Asaph, and his brethren, Shemaiah, Azarel, Milali, Galali, Mai, Nathanael, Judah, and Hanani, with the music instruments of David, the man of God. And Ezra the scribe went before them. By the fountain gate in front of them, they went up the stairs of the city of David on the stairway of the wall beyond the house of David, as far as the water gate eastward. The other thanksgiving choir went the opposite way, and I was behind them with half of the people on the wall going past the tower of the ovens as far as the broad wall and above the gate of Ephraim, above the old gate, above the fish gate, the tower of Hananel, the tower of the hundred as far as the sheep gate, and they stopped by the gate of the prison. So the two thanksgiving choirs stood in the house of God. Likewise I and the half of the rulers with me and the priests, Elikam, Messiah, Minjamin, Micaiah, Eleniah, Zechariah and Hananiah with trumpets, also Messiah, Shemaiah, Eleazar, Uzai, Jehonan, Melchijah, Elam and Ezer, the singers sang loudly with Jezrahiah, the director. Also, that day, they offered great sacrifices and rejoiced, for God had made them rejoice with great joy. The women and the children also rejoiced, so that the joy of Jerusalem was heard afar off. And, at the same time, some were appointed over the rooms of the storehouse for the offerings, the firstfruits and the tithes, to gather into them from the fields of the cities the portions specified by the law for the priests and Levites. For Judah rejoiced over the priests and Levites who ministered. Both the singers and the gatekeepers kept the charge of their God and the charge of the purification, according to the command of David and Solomon his son." 
For in the days of David and Asaph of old, there were chiefs of the singers, and songs of praise and thanksgiving to God. In the days of Zerubbabel, and in the days of Nehemiah, all Israel gave the portions for the singers and the gatekeepers, a portion for each day. They also consecrated holy things for the Levites, and the Levites consecrated them for the children of Aaron." God wants things to be done in a proper way. Dedicated and consecrated people are needed first before great things can be accomplished. These priestly families helped Nehemiah build the walls in order that they could safely worship the living God in the temple without intervention from outside. Walls were important for security, but without devoted priests, true worship would be in jeopardy. Hence, all the people in their various functions had their roles to play. Friday, November 29 From my favourite book by Ellen White, Steps to Christ, page 64, we read, These are those who have known the pardoning love of Christ, and who really desire to be children of God, yet they realise that their character is imperfect, their life faulty, and they are ready to doubt whether their hearts have been renewed by the Holy Spirit. To such I would say, Do not draw back in despair. We shall often have to bow down and weep at the feet of Jesus because of our shortcomings and mistakes, but we are not to be discouraged. Even if we are overcome by the enemy, we are not cast off, not forsaken and rejected of God. No, Christ is at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. He desires to restore you to himself, to see his own purity and holiness reflected in you. And, if you will but yield yourself to him, he that hath begun a good work in you will carry it forward to the day of Jesus Christ. Pray more fervently, believe more fully. As we come to distrust our own power, let us trust the power of our Redeemer, and we shall praise him who is the health of our countenance. End of quote. And that brings us to our three discussion questions for this week. 1. Think about Daniel chapter 2 and how Daniel, thousands of years ago, so accurately predicted the rise and fall of empires, even depicting very accurately the disunity of modern Europe today. How can we learn to draw comfort from this prophecy which so powerfully shows us, even amid the chaos of the world, that God knows all that is happening and has even predicted it. 2. God knows all about us. This is comforting and gives us security and the assurance that we are in His care. But now, as it says in Isaiah 43.1, this is what the Lord says, He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you, I have summoned you by name, you are mine. How can you assure others of God's presence and care when they go through emotional, relational, social or financial crises? 3. Dwell more on the issue in Wednesday study of Ezra's not wanting to call on the king for help because he was afraid that it would make his words about God's protection seem hollow. We know, for example, that God is a healer. Does this mean, then, that we are showing a lack of faith in him to heal us if we go to a medical doctor? Discuss this issue in class. Inside Story Our mission story this week is titled Teaching Russian Orphans and is by Andrew McChesney of Adventist Mission. The challenge appeared enormous. 
Natalia Bellan, the 59-year-old grandmother, wasn't sure how to make God real to the two young brothers that she had brought home from a Russian orphanage. The boys, Daniil, aged 10, and his brother Nikita, aged 9, had suffered unspeakable abuse from their alcoholic father and later in the orphanage. Their mother was dead. Natalia and her husband Yakov, a retired Seventh-day Adventist pastor, took the foster children into their home in Oberlensk, a small town of 4,600 people located 70 miles or 115 kilometres south of Moscow, after reading Church co-founder Ellen White's appeal for every Adventist family to care for orphans. The parents prayed earnestly for God to manifest himself in the boys' lives. Then calamity struck. Daniil and Nikita owned a pair of old bicycles, a gift from kind neighbours that they loved to ride. But the boys disliked taking the bicycles up the elevator to the seventh floor of their apartment building. They ignored father's warning not to leave them on the first floor landing, and one day the bicycles were gone. How the boys cried. Let's pray and God will help, Mother said. At morning worship, Mother prayed, Dear God, please help the boys who stole the bikes to return them. Then the boys prayed. The town had only one school, and Mother was sure that the schoolboys had taken the bicycles. With permission from the principal, she hung signs around the school reading, Children from this school stole two bikes belonging to two foster children. Please return the bikes. Mother and the two boys prayed every morning and evening for three days. Then the intercom rang, signalling that someone downstairs wished to speak with the family. A male voice said, Come down and take the bike. Downstairs, Mother found a stranger with an expensive brand new bicycle. I saw your sign when I took my son to the first grade, he said. My boy is too small for this bike, so I have decided to give it to you. The big bicycle went to the older boy, Daniil. God, thank you for such a nice bike, he prayed that evening. Nikita also was happy, but he wished for his own bicycle. Mother told him, let's pray to God. The family prayed for a bicycle for Nikita for several days. One morning, the intercom rang again, and a male voice said, come down and take the bike. Mother found another stranger with another expensive bicycle. The man also said the bicycle was too big for his first-grade son. Nikita was overjoyed. I thank God that he answers prayers, especially my own, that my children would know God, Natalia said. And there's a photograph here of the whole family here. This week's lesson has been read by Dr. Percy Harold from Queensland, Australia. It is brought to you by Hope Channel, the Sabbath School Department, and through the services of Christian Services for the Blind. A video of this podcast also occurs on YouTube. Remember, God is always faithful.